Welcome back to Building Better Basketball Season 2, the Basketball Australia Coaches Podcast. I'm Neil Gray, Community Coach Development Manager at Basketball Australia, or NRG51628 on Twitter. Today's the crossover episode everyone's been waiting for, the OGs of the Australian Basketball Podcast game, Talking Split from Basketball Victoria. We were lucky enough to have Jenny Screen on at the end of Season 1, and now we get the chance to complete two more of the set. I'm really excited to have the brains and voices of that show and high performance coach for Basketball Victoria Country Women, Zoe Carr, Zoe Carr85 on Twitter, and Rob Coulter, Coach Development Coordinator for Basketball Victoria at Rob Coulter on Twitter. It's awesome to have you on as every Friday your uh, weekly episodes are appointment listening for me, as I sure you know from my regular messages to Rob every week. Welcome to the podcast, Rob and Zoe. Thanks very much. Thank you for having us. Um, Talking Split is deep into its seventh season and it's an invaluable resource for coaches, not just in Victoria, but Australia wide. Um, I guess the, is it what you thought it would be way back when you started? No, definitely not. Like it, uh, we sort of thought this might've been a, a couple of week thing where we, we just knocked out a couple of conversations around the place and, and that would kind of be what it was. And we weren't really too sure. And I, I still remember the first episode going out. And probably 15 to 20 people within the first two or three hours uh, came back and said, hey, we just listened. And it's like, I would never have thought this would have got to where you are or, or listening about it or anything like that. So it's evolved a bit over the years. Uh, obviously, it started off with just literally a MacBook and recording with myself, uh, Justin Shuler and my example. And now it's evolved into a little bit more of a production with obviously Zoe and Nathan Cooper-Brown, Ash Arnott's been in there as well, uh, Darren Best in, Jenny Screen in, and, you know, various guests over the course. So, yeah, it probably took a little bit of a life of its own uh, at, at various points. But, yeah, hopefully it's a good resource for coaches out there. Zoe, you're obviously out there um, coaching and doing a heap of other stuff that, that we'll touch on later. What's some of the most common things that you hear back from people that that listen to the podcast that you come across? Um, a couple of things. One is that they love having something to listen to while they're driving, while I'm making them drive, you know, hours to get to camps and things like that. Um, but a lot of the time, it's just a, it's not always that they're finding something brand new from the podcast that they didn't already know. Sometimes it's also a bit of um, comfort invalidation of things that they already know, but to hear it, um, I guess, from you know, the the coach education manager at, at BV and then the the high performance coaches, it really gives them a sense of that they're on the right track. So, you know, whilst there are a lot of coaches getting getting some new things out of it, which is great, it's good to be able to offer that sense of comfort for coaches too. You kind of touched on the fact that you do so much travel with, with Victoria um, being... Um, the, the country, at least, you'd be going the, the length of bread from Mildura all the way down to, to Gippsland and everything in between. Um, what do you, you obviously see all that different um, regional level skills and, and basketball in the community, Zoe, and then you're also lucky enough to, to work with some of the athletes at, um, at Australian level. Is there something that you notice in particular when, when you get to that Australian level about, I guess, different uh, players from Victoria compared to Queensland, compared to Tasmania when, when you get to that next level? 
Uh, yeah, Queensland's normally bigger. <laughs> they seem to breed them big up there. I don't know what's in the water, but we need to get some of it down here. Um, but from a, I guess, a skill set perspective, um, more there's just a lot of competition here. Though I think our our structure in Victoria allows us to, particularly the metro athletes, um, compete from a lot earlier age at a an important level. So, you know, you could be in under 12s VC and, you know, you're going to the classic and you're going to all these games that, you know, really matter, which um, other states don't have the luxury of having that sort of a setup. So I think from a, a competitive standpoint, that is something that does set Victoria apart. Um, but really it's, it just depends. I, there's there's no one real trait. I mean, you know, South Australians can shoot, uh, Tasmanians can also shoot, um, but really outside of that, because we're sort of all working from a um, global curriculum of like across the country, um, everyone's sort of, you know, on the same page and working on the same things, which is good. It's just that little bit of a competitive edge, I guess, that we have here in Victoria. Rob, obviously the World Cup, Women's World Cup was in New South Wales that you guys touched on um, in the review on the podcast. And um, the junior AJCs were down there as well. And um, I know Victoria have got a, a couple of them next year as well um, in Geelong and then Casey. Um, is it, is you, again, as you said, seven seasons deep, just doing the podcast at least, but meant much more time with that being involved in in basketball and you see in the uh at basketball australia we, we're really proud of the fact that it's the fastest growing um sport in australia from your perspective with coach development is that is that something that you're seeing in terms of the interest in coaching is moving in line with the interest with playing yeah, definitely. I think there's still the uh, the element of having to convince people to coach. Like, I think there's always that that air of anxiety or just uh, a low level of confidence that just because they played or didn't play, you know, 20 years ago when they were a junior or a youth player, but they're always a little bit hesitant to get involved just because their kids have now come through the system. So I think everyone goes through that, not identity crisis, but just that that concern that I don't want to muck this up. Like I'm really important. They, a lot of people can remember their first coaches or, or people that have, you know, helped them along their pathway, whether it be a, a coach for sport, whether it be a boss at work or something like that. I think everyone really relates to to leaders and people that have helped and nobody wants to be the bad one. So there's always that little bit of hesitancy or reluctance to go, Gee, yeah, look, I probably could, or I, I have the knowledge to do this, but I just don't want to do a bad job. And this is where I suppose the um, the hope is that we can try and get as much information into a lot of coaches. And, and it is that, um, you know, confidence breeds confidence type thing. If we can get more people into courses and more people actually assisting teams and those types of things, it can take away a lot of that fear uh, of jumping in at the community level in particular. And then it's amazing how addictive coaching is. Like once you've done it once or twice, it's like, actually, this isn't too bad. I don't mind giving up my my Saturday or my Sunday for it. It's you know, it's just one of those things that you just keep doing. And, you know, as long as there's a, a good support network around you and, and people that can help you out along the way when you'll have the inevitable 15 questions after a game of, of things that went right and wrong and everything in between, like it, it's a good spot for people to be in. So 
like the AJCs are great and it's nice to have our high performance coaches and players recognized at that level but there's just so much that underpins that in the sport as well from uh, literally your your VJBL and your your representative players through to your domestic competitions down to, to Aussie hoops and the like like there's just so much that sits underneath that and and whilst um like it's great to watch AJCs and, and things like that for a lot of people that's probably not a reality for them they're, they're not going to be involved in that space so it's uh, it's how can we service everyone in the easiest uh, and most consumable you know way to get them information in that space so it's uh well we're really lucky that we have so many people that do put their hand up to coach and and once they've done it for a little bit are, are so willing to give back to the sport it's uh it's great that you uh, said that um coaching's addictive and then you said saturday and sunday and i know that you guys do monday tuesday wednesday thursday <laughs> saturday sunday so yeah it's guys... definitely not saturday or sunday it's yeah. it's both <laughs> yeah you guys would be like the uh the hub of the coaches anonymous meetings if they were such a thing needed to be put into practice both of you um been able to use the podcast as uh i guess a soapbox for not issues that are solely your own but ones that you feel passionate about in um basketball so um so i'll go to you first i know the one that you're most passionate about is um the use of the smaller ball at the age group so for the people that aren't in victoria i'm happy to give you guys the, the national platform to um preach those messages as well yeah, so I'd love to say this was all my own work. It certainly wasn't. There was a, a mountain of work done probably about seven, six or seven years ago um, with Rob and uh, Mike Zeppel, the former high-performance coach for Victoria Metro back before we had uh, Metro Country Boys and Girls. Um, and it was basically there, there was just such a need to reduce the size of the basketball to allow for better development um, and not just development, but enjoyment. So, uh, you know, all the research that was coming out was basically saying if you were to scale that basketball to a human size, we'd be on something like 12 foot rims and, you know, the basketball would be enormous. So, um, you know, it's just not, um, I guess, ideal for, our beginners to be coming in and especially from the female side of basketball, you know, they're coming in using the same size basketball as, as those going to the Olympics that year. And that just didn't make sense to me or to a lot of other people. So um, we did a deep dive into the data and put together a, a paper to, to go to the basketball Victoria board. And thankfully they accepted it and we've introduced it into all basketball Victoria competitions and what we've seen is a massive upshot in skill development, particularly shooting, particularly passing. Um, and every coach that's probably out there listening right now, uh, passing is a, a fairly large deficiency uh, across the board uh, in all in all states, really, because it is the one sort of skill that kind of gets thrown to the side because we have so much that we have to teach. And we just assume that it's going to organically develop on its own because you have to pass to be able to play. So you'll learn how to do that. Um, but instead, uh, it's gone the other way. Um, and the size of the basketball certainly wasn't helping that. So now we're starting to see almost 
um, I guess a a mirror of a senior game, but just in a smaller human. <laughs> it's just the you know the the things that they're able to do. It also means that the um, which is a, a love affair of mine. It means that the the one two one one full court press for thirty two minutes of a game isn't as effective because they're able to make that pass now either down the line or hit the player cutting to the middle. Um, so now players have to also, from a defensive perspective, show a little more respect. Um, and, you know, that's helping us on that side of the ball as well. So um, it's been a, a really, uh, it got copped a little bit of criticism in the beginning, but, um, you know, if any of the states are looking to get into it, please feel free to reach out. Both Rob and myself are happy to, to have discussions and, and pass on any information that we can that can help um, because it it is it's a, a vital part of our game. It's the, the data tells us that scaling for age groups is successful in development and enjoyment. So what more could we want? So Zoe's worn all the brick bats and uh, bruises of, of change <laughs> management, Rob, and your passionate one is probably just at the the start of um, receiving that constructive feedback, let's call it. So um, your Victoria is not alone in this, but um, Basketball Victoria has recently um, made the announcement publicly about um, compulsory uh, accreditation at, under Basketball Victoria competition. So do you want to, I guess, share a little bit of the, the rationale behind it and, and how that's looking at going? Yeah, definitely. It's it's something we've wanted to do for a long time. We've never really had the support network around coaches to to be able to do that, or or have the the number of courses that we actually need to get it done. Uh, we, we've and you know basketball Australia have done a lot in, of power in this work, and yourself in particular, Neil, with the online component that goes with this as well, which which does cut down a little bit of the uh, the the drain, I suppose, on coaches to to have to attend, you know, potentially up to twelve hours worth of coaching courses, which logistically is just impossible for so many people, in particular those that live in sort of the regional areas of the of the the state. So, the rationale behind it is the first touch point in the sport for every athlete will be the coach. So it'll be their parents that turn up, and you know, it really dictates whether they stay in the sport or whether they leave the sport. If that first in experience in the game is not an enjoyable one, well people will vote with their feet and they'll leave. So it's, we can't replace experienced coaches. Like the, the, the difficulty that so many places have in trying to recruit coaches versus retain coaches, it's, it's a battle that goes on everywhere. So on our end, it was more a case of, can we get more education and development into our coaches to just take away that really intimidating first six months of, of what goes on in that coaching space where you know, they feel like they're under the pump. They don't really know. Some clubs do this a lot better than others. Some associations are fantastic with giving uh, a heap of, of information because they've got full-time coach development people or directors of coaching, whereas others are, are literally a, a volunteer-based board that, you know, are just happy to get people on court. So the reasoning behind it, it wasn't to necessarily hit people with a stick and say that you have to do this because you're a bad coach. In a lot of cases, it's actually we wanted to provide more support around the coach in particular. And we can't do that if we're not out there at least educating the coaches and trying to get them on the right path to start off with because it really is that that first touch point of the game that matters so much. You know, People will decide whether they love the sport or not. You know, And that's, that's their choice. If they want to go and not be a player, but they want to be a coach or a referee or whatever, no problems as long as they're still involved with the sport. 
the uh, the hard part is just making sure they stay in it as long as we possibly can, and that's where the coaches come into it. So it's it's more a case of the more education we can give our coaches, the more likely they are to stick around, and then consequently, the more likely our players are to stick around. Yeah, and like I said right at the start, I know that Western Australia are on a similar journey, and anyone that that wondered where what Basketball Australia's stance on it was, we're we're obviously in full support of our state associations and the reasoning behind them. So uh, one of my favorite things that you guys do is, is your, your questions and things like that. And um, I know that uh, you have different models about being put on the spot or being informed in advance. And Rob uh, kindly nominated that the questions would be blind today. So um, <laughs> do excuse any two or three uh, seconds of silence as they consider their answer. So this is a just a, a quick one, start or sit. So which one would you rather? You can't have both. So coaching attire on the game day, on the sidelines. NBA rules or NBL rules? Uh, or VJBL rules, where you literally just turn up in a polo and hope for the best. Uh, it's... <laughs> To be honest, for, for the vast majority of our coaches that are out there, comfort matters. Like You don't want to be feeling like you're constantly adjusting a shirt or a tie or something like that. And I feel like when you're coaching, in particular, youth sport. So uh, comfort wins out for me any day of the week. Uh, senior level for me, uh, I think it needs to be business attire for that, especially at our sort of national levels or, you know, above international, um, I think there's a, a duty to make sure you're looking the part. And whilst um, I completely agree at a, at a junior level, you know, we're asking people to do this for nothing. So um, I think, you know, if we can get them in some sort of type of uniform and uh, like whether it be the polo or the hoodie or whatever that might be, then great. Um, but at a senior level, I think we've got just a little bit more of a duty to, to show, to help showcase what our, professionalism is at that level so a bonus question on this because i know you're both sneaker heads so you can only wear one type of shoe and this is for this has to be suitable for on-court uh training sessions as well so you can wear it all the time what are you uh, what are you going for is your one type of shoe Unfortunately for me, um, I'd love to be able to wear uh, Nikes and all those cool looking shoes. Uh, my feet don't allow that anymore. So I have to wear the ASICS running shoes, the Nimbus um, with bulk cushioning and support. So um, otherwise I don't get through um, a day of coaching, um, on, which is a bit of a shame. But so that's what I'd have to go. I'd have to go the practical yeah, well, shockingly, I'm more fashion orientated, uh, <laughs> and it's the uh, the great, um, you know, Jordan fours or Jordan ones. You know, the great uh, debaters of all times. Obviously, better colorways than the Jordan ones, so I'll take those. Hundred percent. I'm right there with you, Rob. Um, all right. Motivational speeches, yes or no? No, not required. Uh, if you need to be motivated to perform, you probably shouldn't be there in the first place. Like, there's no, there's nothing wrong with just a little bit of a, hey, that kid over there said you sucked. Uh, maybe try and play a little bit harder or something like that. Like, you can have a little bit of manipulation in there, I feel like. But 
realistically after the first 10 to 15 seconds are they still listening to what you're saying probably not so it's uh i'm all for the leave them on something that'll get them a little bit amped up but yeah the uh the full william wallace not so much Um, I like a motivational speech, if I'm honest. Um, not so much a, you know, that kid, kid, kid said that, or she, he said this, or she said that. Um, more so about us, you know, and the, you know, especially if it's a big game, you know, if it's a final of some sort, and you know, just sort of touching on the journey that we've had and what the game means and all those sort of things. I think if you are, as Rob said, if you're requiring the coach to rant and rave and rah-rah to get you going, well, then you probably need to find another sport or another um, job. Um, but, yeah, I think I think it can do a lot for camaraderie. I think it can do a lot for getting everyone on the same page as well because, you know, it's, again, depending on the level, but, you know, a lot of people have lives outside of this sport that we play and sometimes they need a little help getting back to you know, what they're doing here and why, because, you know, there may be outside influences that are making things difficult for them at, for them at the time. And a, just a little bit of a rev up before the game can, can help them along and remind them why it's enjoyable to be there. And it's fun. You know, you hear a lot of, um, a lot of play. I remember all the best motivational speeches <laughs> from when I played. Um, and, you know, we've all watched a, a sports movie where... I was just know, going to say a bonus question. What's what's the favourite one? Uh, the favourite from a movie? Yeah. Or you guys had a whole episode dedicated to Ted Lasso, for goodness sake. Oh, and it could be... Yeah, take your pick from that show. That's, that's an amazing... I can't wait for that next season to come out. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know... We've all watched one of those and, you know, had our, you get the little flutter in the heart and the fire in the belly and you just sort of, yeah, I, th- I think it's a, a good thing. You've got to be careful though. Like, I've been in the room where, and it was a great motivational speech. It was an under 18 uh, Australian Junior Championships. Phenomenal speech, but you look across the room and two or three of the kids are in tears. And it's like, you've got to be careful not to tug on those heartstrings just a little bit too much because <laughs> I know their, their first couple of minutes were a little bit ratty. Oh. And so you got to be real careful in that space that you don't draw the line. Like you want to play into the emotions, but not too much in but that space. The other side of that too is getting them so amped up, not maybe to the point of tears, but that by the time the game starts, they're actually exhausted. So it is walking a fine line of, um, you know, how hard you go and, and things like that. But yeah, I don't have a problem with a, you know, Rob, Rob, yeah, Rob mentioned Braveheart. I remember when I was playing uh against England for Scotland and our coach timed the like end of the bus journey just for the climactic moments in, in Braveheart. So we like we jumped off the bus like ready to kill someone. So um yeah I, I do get the uh ma- management of uh endorphin levels is is pretty <laughs> important. Um this was one I'm interested in because as as you both know and as people that have listened before my backgrounds in, in soccer and cricket and I see things very differently in soccer. I enjoyed things, sorry, very differently in soccer and cricket. So I didn't overly enjoy soccer training sessions, but I loved game day in soccer and I didn't overly enjoy cricket game day because I, you can't, as a coach, control anything 
in cricket, they go out on the field and you just have to basically sit and watch and drink cups of tea and coffee. But training, you can make a real difference. Whereas basketball is a, a mix of the two where you can really make a difference as a coach in training and also make a real difference with timeouts and um, kind of rolling substitutions and things like that. So if I was to say to you, going forward now, you can only be a basketball coach for training or a basketball coach for game day, which one would you choose? Uh, it's not close for me. I'll take training any day of the week. Like uh, the game day stuff is cool. Like don't get me wrong, but the impact that you can have on a, a game and things like that. But where do most of the breakthrough moments come for athletes where they all of a sudden they get it and they, they can trial and error, they can make mistakes, but you can still comfort them along the way and help and support and those types of things. That tends to be in games, uh, in training sessions, sorry. And where I was heading with that is if you have enough games in your training sessions, you can kind of scratch the itch of both. Yeah. And and that's the the big thing on my end is just make the, the training session so uh, game-like that you can you can do different things with them. You can still develop, you can still support, uh, and you can still just have some fun without that pressure of you know, 25 parents with all great intentions in the stands, but live streaming the game on Instagram, uh, where you know they're just under so much pressure there. Whereas that that freedom to just experiment, I feel like, can, can really only come at a training session. Yeah, well, my first comment was going to be, given you're drinking cups of tea and coffee while coaching cricket games, means you <laughs> definitely didn't grow up in Australia. Um, but the, I'm I'm with you, Rob. I think um, there's also a lot of satisfaction with watching athletes that you've worked with from a developmental point of view go on to those teams, and not necessarily having you coach them. So you still get that that feeling of, I guess, accomplishment. Um, that you do in games when you get to see a win um, on the scoreboard. So, yeah, I definitely, um, if I had to choose, I'd definitely <laughs> stay with the training. And just think about how many times we've coached in games where you just feel utterly helpless. Yeah. Like, regardless of what you do or how you do it or what the plan might be or, or who you're playing against, yeah. there are times where it doesn't matter. Your kids have all been on school camp that week and they just suck when they turn up yeah. because they're all white because they haven't slept or they've been playing table tennis instead. Like It's all that sort of stuff. It's You really do get minimal say yeah. at a junior level. Seniors is a bit different, obviously. but Yeah, well, and training never drove me to drink. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> so... All right, last, last one. So the coaching's broken down very rudimentally into four key areas. So technical, tactical, physical, and mental. Put them in order of importance for you as a coach working with an athlete. Just a uh, random cookie cutter athlete, nothing special. A mental definitely comes first for me. Um, I think that comes from more of a... Um, taking care of the person first because uh, if we don't take care of the person we've got no chance of taking care of the athlete so mental would come first for me um, both from an on-court and off-court because if we're going to encompass IQ into the mental as well um, everyone will take a smart player so mental would come for me first um, then I would probably go physical then technical, then tactical. Rob? Yep. 
Uh, I don't disagree with mental first, and that encompasses more than just is their mental health good. It's, it it really is. Do they actually enjoy the game? Mm. And that's that's the biggest thing for me is do our athletes have fun playing it, and that's the mental side of it that a lot of the time we can get lost with. It's you know we, we're so worried about getting our our defense set or our new offense in or teaching this new skill set and those types of things that, that we can kind of forget a little bit about what do they want as the athlete. So the mental side of things comes first, and that encompasses I would suggest communication. Uh, relationships and all those types of things. So it's all in that same sort of boat. I'll take a, a slightly different tack. I would probably put physical last because that's just not a space I'd have to deal in. I, I don't need the six foot eight kids or anything like that, like what Zoe does. And I do. Like, I do. You, know, <laughs> you know, and at the risk of going full Darren Best, it depends with this uh, yep. answer a lot. But it is, <laughs> it is one of those things where I simply just don't need those physical kids. Like it's you know if they're um short but you know really love it i'm cool with that like it so i would probably put that one last uh i'd say the technical comes second and then the tactical third it's um the tactical side of thing it's such a niche part of the game like what i like is different to what zoe likes which is different to what the next coach likes so it's just such a a personal uh experience in that and a lot of the times the the tactical changes depending on your personnel so you can't really have a, a one-size-fits-all approach. So the technical side of things I love with with the younger athletes and just letting them sort of trial and error and find their own ways to do things like the like as much as I bag on social media and I'm the first to put my hand up and say I suck at it. It's it's great because it's got basketball in the hands of so many kids now that potentially didn't get it. Like and at the risk of aging both Zoe and, and myself. Like we were of that age where we had to turn up to basketball on a Saturday morning and just hope that Channel 10 was on the TV upstairs uh, and we could get our little bit of three minutes of NBA for the week and you'd find out what it looks like. Whereas now there are kids that are in primary school walking around seeing Luca hit game winners or or Patty Mills just bouncing around being just such a great advocate for the sport. Izzy uh, Magbega blocking shots as she's in transit, like that sort of stuff, like that side of things and that promoting of the love of the game. They get so much more access to that now and they get to see it, which which really drives a love for them to go and try and do the same things. So I think from that end, that's where I'd probably rank it. The man that says he's no good at the social media was the one that sent me a TikTok for my birthday as well. It is true. Uh, you're uh, doing you yourself a disservice, what? Rob. I don't know. If you want to unpack what was in that TikTok, uh, it's a it's a real interesting listen for any community coach out there. Well, uh, but... And just for uh, behind the scenes, I guess, that's like sending TikToks is like 90% of Rob's and my communication. <laughs> like we just send each other TikToks right. like that. Yeah, It's got to a point now where I'm not sure Zoe can go to the toilet without taking her phone. <laughs> like that's, you know, I just get this random, oh, she's out of the room. What's happened? Oh, there we go. Okay. Well, I know where she is now. Uh, Why else would we go in there? <laughs> all right. Last last question. And it's the, the one that, that we've kind of um, made our own here at Building Better Basketball. If you could ask one question to a coach, whether they're alive or dead, who would the coach be and what would the question be? Well, you'd pick someone that's alive because you're not going to get a great response from someone that's dead. Um, <laughs> but I'd probably go uh, like a Pep Guardiola. Like I'll go outside of the basketball space. Like, And if not him, Jose Marino. Uh, just phenomenal uh, motivators of people but are obviously phenomenal communicators before that, like they have the ability to 
to get into the minds of players and motivate them to do things. And and both, you know, I, I absolutely endorse anyone going having a look at those all or nothing series that are on Amazon that that you get a real insight into both Pep and Jose. I, I think that's a, a phenomenal uh, look at how they go about their day to day life and actually inspiring athletes to play. And I mean, obviously, they deal with with athletes at a different level. Like they're not exactly playing just for the love of the game. There's a, a nice little bank balance that goes along with that, but they find the best way to get the best out of their athletes. And I mean, that in itself is just unbelievable. So uh, mine would be pop and it would be tell me how you build culture the way you do. Um, and, you know, we've heard a lot about, you know, especially when they were peak Spurs and, you know, Duncan and Ginobili and Parker and, um, you know, he – he gives a lot of props to to Tim Duncan on his behaviour and his professionalism being the reason the culture was able to be grown the way it was. But there's more to it. We're all coaches and we can all see there's far more to that than, um, you know, and, and how do you go, you know, the first time you had to rip a Tim Duncan um, and then hold, you know, hold your ground and all that sort of stuff. But the, the culture, you know, we talk about it all the time, Spurs, but even now, Spurs basketball, Spurs basketball. Um, and that's why they're losing. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're, they're not winning games at the moment and still we're talking about the culture of, yeah. of what San Antonio is. You know, and it's just a, um, yeah, that I, I'd be, uh, wouldn't be so much about the technical or the tactical. It'd be about building culture and, and sustaining culture because it's, you know, all well and good while those superstar players are there but like you said Rob how do you sustain that when you know you're not winning games and generally you know we all know that winning's like a band-aid so it hides everything um but as soon as you start to lose that's when problems and start to arise and cracks start to show so he's managed to just maintain an amazing culture for a prolonged period of time and that's what I'd love to dive uh, dive into and when they get Victor Wambanyama, they'll be right back up at the top of the tree again because he you're is. Not, a... uh, you're not suggesting any collusion by any chance, would you? There, Neil. Oh, he's just a genuine alien. When Zoe's talking about people from Queensland being tall, we need to just find some naturalised French Australians, I think, and draft <laughs> them. And hey, I'm happy. Basketball Australia want to send us over to France to be, you know, the advocate for trying to send some players back to Australia. <laughs> Let us know. We're happy. That's a job we're happy to do. Um, thank you so much, guys. Like I said, every Friday, as soon as I get it, that's my appointment listening for my um, lunch break on Fridays. And if somehow you've crawled out from under a rock and the first basketball podcast you found is Building Better Basketball, I do encourage you to go and um, like and subscribe, as uh, my son is fond of saying to um, the Talking Split podcast um because rob and zoe and the um assortment of other um presenters and guests they have on is is beneficial to you regardless of whether you're in australia or whether you're in victoria so thank you so much for your time guys zoe good luck with bendigo for the rest of the wmbl season and rob just uh good luck in general for all the great work you do in the coach development space thanks Easy. so much no, and thank you, you for your support for the pod too it's awesome